Hey everyone, it's Franka here. I just wanted to give a quick warning for this podcast episode as some of the topic may be a little bit more emotional and mentally taxing as we will go in deeper terms of the trans experiences. For all the trans folks out there listening, it may trigger some unwelcome feelings. And for all the cis folks out there listening, pay attention to the experiences you're going to listen here as this is just one of the many but similar ones that trans women have experienced on a daily basis. Use this to Use this time to learn and sympathize to understand more and figure out how to make things better so other people don't experience the same negativity in the future. And I hope you all enjoy the podcast. Thank you very much. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Frankly Frankie. I'm Frankie, and today we have a special guest coming from the other parks, Jessica. Hi, guys. Uh, so my name is Jessica. I'm a trans woman. Um, I go by she, her, and hers. Um, I've been transitioning for about three and a half years at this moment. Actually, it was three and a half years from two days ago, actually. Um, I work in theme parks, and um, I'm glad to be here, Frankie. I'm glad you're here. Now, you say you've been transitioning for the last three and a half years. Now, what does that uh, entail in your personal So, kind of the backstory of me is that... Um, I knew I was transgender at a very young age, about uh, fifth grade. Um, didn't come out actually until about 22 years old. Um, it took me a while to actually get on estrogen. My parents very den- uh, denied it um, a lot. Uh, it was a very, very difficult road for me to get on transition uh, on estrogen and uh, testosterone blockers. Um, and eventually it just became a uh, routine thing where I felt like I needed to get on them without my parents' permission because I was living at home um, in Naples and now I live in Orlando. And um, it was a very difficult decision um, for me to do it. But um, after six months, my parents saw it and um, I basically had to come out to my brothers. And um, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a hard road honestly. Um, and that's just a quick summary of what, what um, has entailed for my transition. But I've been living as a female for roughly two and a half years. Um, and I have no surgeries. I have had nothing um, going on cosmetically. Um, everything has been uh, through pills or um, injections, which I just got on back on. I actually started with injections at the beginning of my transition for about eight months. And then went to pills um, because of my anxiety. Um, and then I just actually just got back on injections. Okay. Now, I know it's very, it's very different between going on testosterone and going on estrogen. For transmasculine people, when we go on testosterone, it's mostly in a shot format or gel. But gel, is, for some reason, it seems to be harder to be covered by insurance versus shots is a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Now, for trans feminine people um y'all have pills and shots now can you and actually patches too and patches yes there's patches y'all got all the options not really honestly because of um i really wished that there was a type of medication for estrogen that was um in gel format too but it, that's kind of like the um the patches that we have but um, patches, so the way that it goes is that, um, so estrogen is the most potent 
um, in a injection, as you probably know with testosterone. Um, and then patches are the, um, I would say the middle grade and um, like in the middle and pills are the least potent. But the pills um, are a very, very, very easy way to just start transitioning. I feel like um, I take two sublingual tab- tablets um, in the morning and two at night. But now I'm going on, I believe, uh, 0.35 milliliters of um, estrogen every single um, week as an, an injection. So um, it's about the same dosage. So um, it's it's an exciting feeling um, with everything. It's totally different, though, compared to, you know, being on testosterone. That's for sure. Because I have a friend that um, um, that I've been talking to for quite a while, and he's pretty much started transitioning at the same time I am. But he was uh, he is uh, female to male, so we kind of are like brother sister. We um, talk about a lot of different things that he's gone through, and a lot of things that I got th- gone through, and we kind of relate it to each other. So. I know what he goes through. I know some of the st- uh, the struggles that he has gone through with some gender dysphoria stuff. But it's, I feel like a lot of the gender dysphoria comes from women a lot more than it does for men. And the reason why I say that is it's because of you have to, um, as you probably know, men grow facial hair, women don't. Um, or it's very, very, very fine. Um, and the process behind that is that we have to, you know, get laser hair removal or, um, um, I forget what the, I, I know what it's called, but I can't say it. Um, and electrolytes uh, or something like that. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's electrolysis. There we go. Um, and it's just, it's a very, very, very rough process to go through, um, through just, you know, hormonal changes and things like that. Uh, for a trans woman, then it probably is different for a, tra- a trans um, male. Yeah, I, I've noticed that y'all got, you know, cosmetic surgeries when it comes to laser hair removal as well, like the Adam's apple, if you have any, mm-hmm. and then like feminization surgery on your face and things like mm-hmm. that. And then plus, obviously, the effects of estrogen, but it is a lot harder for something like solid to go softer than it is for something softer to go solid. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I explain people when it when I try to tell them about the differences in differences between estrogen and testosterone. For for trans male, it's easier for them to gain a more masculine appearance versus you know a trans woman to gain a more softer appearance because those masculine tendencies or characteristics seem to be there still versus um, disappearing for trans male going into a more masculine presentation. Yeah, and the touch base on that too is that um, with you know with my transition and the things that I have seen and witnessed, um, you know, it, it's it's not as easy as what people you know intend to be like say as a transgender woman. It is for me working at theme park. I have anxiety that I go out every single day, and um, I'm afraid that you know somebody's going to harass me. Um, at home, um, before I actually moved out, um, I ran into one of my old students when I used to work for a, a learning center. And uh, it gave me massive anxiety of just being able to go out and to 
do the necessary things that I needed to do. So like go grocery shopping or go to the doctor's office or, um, you know, go getting blood work, like which I did today. Um, it's a very, very difficult thing for, for me to, you know, go through. Um, and because like, I feel like trans women go through way more anxiety because of just that softer, you know, appearance and the softer things, because we have like trans men have a opportunity where their voice will deepen. They will grow facial hair. They'll, they'll become a lot easier and they will be more stealth in a way. Um, but trans women, it's a lot, it's a lot harder because you don't have that, you don't have that, um, you know, raise a pitch and voice. You have to work on it. You have to, you know, like I said, you have to get the laser hair removal. Um, there, you have to get the bottom surgery, which is basically the same as top surgery. So that's similar, but, um, you know, and some people choose to do it and some people choose not to do it. For me, I, I have the preference where I need to do it. Um, but uh, also, it's like you have all the facial feminization surgeries, like you were saying, and that's usually not covered in, under insurance. Um, you have also the, um, you know, breast augmentations that you have. That's not covered off, uh, under um, insurance. Um, so a lot of the mental struggles that trans women go through, it's it's very, very tough. It's a very tough road. Um, and for, for where I have started um, and just going back at that fifth grade moment, I knew that something was kind of wrong when I was doing a skit for uh, for my talent show that we had and I was doing Hound Dog and I had to dress up like Elvis Presley. So I had the whole, you know, uh, uh, unitard on and everything like that. And it was it was scary because I didn't want to go out of the car. I was just breaking down crying after that point. I just didn't want to leave. I thought it was going to be made fun of. I just, I, I couldn't be out there in public. And I started cross-dressing, you know, when I was 12. And then my parents asked me at 16 if I wanted to be a girl. And I denied it at that time because I didn't know what I wanted. So, and that kind of goes into the, some of the more of the backstory behind things. Because if I knew that I wanted to start earlier and I wanted to get on estrogen earlier, some of the things that I've I would have gone through now my anxiety would have been way less. Right. I noticed that for trans women, it'd be a lot easier if, you know, they were on testosterone blockers prior to the male puberty taking over the body. Because again, it is a lot easier for transmasculine people to get on testosterone and get all these changes that basically change their whole appearance versus trans women who can't get that same effect because it just, for some reason, it just doesn't work like that. It's scary because a lot of a lot of the changes that we go through, um, it's it's not an easy process and it's such a long process. Um, and it it like as you know, it it doesn't ever stop. It will never ever stop. Um, because it, we have to be able to take our thing our our medicine for the rest of our life. Um, and it's 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 scary. It's scary. Um, but luckily with transgender women, um, after we get bottom surgery, we don't have to take the testosterone blockers anymore um, because, you know, um, we don't have um, the bottoms anymore. And it's just a whole lot easier for us to go go through um, because a lot of the things that you probably felt with, um, you know, with your top surgery and having your top, it, it, it's 
it's very dysphoric. It's not an easy change, but it's a relieving change, if that can make any sense. Um, oh, yeah, but, 100%. Um, but I did want to talk about some of the things that, that I have experienced, um, you know, through the body changes a little bit. Um, because, you know, so, some people don't understand, like, what actually happens, you know, through body changes. Because a lot of the things that you probably touched on on, on is, like you said, with the, um, you know, with the facial hair and the things that go on. Um, with your, your transition specifically, um, and being able to, to present yourself, like I was saying before, it's not easy. So, um, I'm trying to get something up really quickly to kind of, um, illustrate for me kind of the stuff that goes on. Okay. So, um, so the first thing that I ever experienced going through transition was, so the the softening of the skin, the the brightness of the skin, and um, a lot of the odor changes that I've had with my urine. Those were the three things that I knew that the estrogen was working. Um, but then also it comes into effect where you know, um, you know, the libido went down. You know, erections went down. Um, and if you don't know, also with with transition. Um, with, you know, trans women who transition, they go sterile. They go completely sterile. Um, they have the opportunity to put their, their sperm in, the, in a sperm bank, but that doesn't mean anything um, with that because usually between six months and a year, you go sterile. And that's an, an um, a irreversible change that we go through. Um, but everything else has changed uh, for me where, you know, um, chest growth, so growing breasts, um, you know, de- decrease in muscle mass strength, you know, um, terminal hair growth, which, which on my chest, it's like it, the terminal hair has come now. Um, I didn't have a lot of hair, luckily, because of I transitioned when I was 26 years old. So I didn't wait like my, like my brothers where they have full chest hair. Luckily, I only have a small little bit that I only shave a little, like, shave maybe once every two weeks, so which is a good thing. Um, but it's the fat redistri- uh, the fat redistribution, which happened, you know, started actually happening within the last six, eight months. So that's like the longest thing that has happened. But um, there's a lot of girls that are out there that just it, it happens so quickly, but it also happens so differently for each person, as you know. Right. When I got on testosterone, and I've been on it for like the last four and a half years, the most noticeable changes for me is my voice changed. So it definitely gotten a lot deeper. My muscle mass has been a little bit easier to gain. I have way broader shoulders than I used to. Like I used to be a boy's extra large four mm-hmm. years ago. And mm-hmm. I'm like a men's medium to large now at this point. So my body That's mass crazy. in general has humongously grown. That is crazy. Because, like, I think it's because of that muscle mass change. Yeah, honestly. correct. Um, because of my family genes, I don't have facial hair. So this is four years of growth and no facial hair to show. Wow. That's actually really interesting. Right. Um, I think it's because for most transmasculine people that we see in terms of changes, we see white transmask people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have background with facial hair versus, mm-hmm. like, an Asian person. We don't have a lot of facial hair to begin with. So, you know... Some people have them and some people don't. 
I fortunately do not have like that much facial hair. Um, when you were talking earlier about bottom surgery, how, how that affects you and how that you would, you know, be able to stop testosterone blocker. It's interesting you say that because when I got top surgery, the effects of my testosterone became a lot more potent than it was prior. I suddenly started to have little hairs around my belly that, which wasn't there four years ago, which wasn't there like prior to top surgery. So like, uh, the, the chest had a bunch of estrogen that I didn't realize that it had. So it affected my changes personally. Now, assumingly it would affect the same changes for you where the bottom surgery, it would take away a lot of the testosterone producing, um, genitalia and it would just let you just thrive on estrogen itself. Yeah. Which is a good thing, honestly, because, because, but you're always going to have estrogen, you know, estrogen and testosterone in your body, body regardless, which is, um, which is fine. It's fine. Um, but with the way that I seem fit is that with my changes and the stuff that I've gone through, I've, I actually have not been happy with my progress. Um, and the way the reason why I was not happy with my progress is like my breasts have not grown at all. They have not grown at all. Um, and it's it's a little it's a little scary and it's a little um, frightening where I don't have boobs. I go into work and I'm wearing my wardrobe and whatnot. And I have to wear, you know, usually I wear a medium shirt and I have to wear a small just so that I can, you know, show that I'm a woman. And most most of the people that come up to me um, misgender me. And it's not it's not fun. It's not fun when I can't just be be myself. And a lot of the people that I associated myself with when it comes to working with people is that a lot of people see me as a woman, luckily. But a lot of people don't. And that's so scary. That's so scary. A lot of transgender women do not get that opportunity where they feel safe. They don't feel like they can they can be stealth. And for me, working on my voice and working on a lot of different things, um, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's it's um, I've got I was to a point of of suicide. I attempted suicide at um, in 2018, and that's what kind of pushed me into you know leaving Naples and putting me in Orlando because my parents wanted me to um, thrive in the LGBT community that's up here rather than living in a um, in, in a uh, Republican town where it was not very acceptant. And it's it's it, that has changed my life tremendously. Honestly, it's it's given me a lot of confidence just to be able to go out there and say, hey, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this um, no matter what the struggles are. Um, and for me, I'm a streamer. I, I stream on Twitch. Um, and I actually, that was the first place I ever came out was on Twitch. Um, before I ever came out, um, to my friends or my family or anything like that. And, um, that was the, really the first place that I was able to kind of just be myself and be able to, to see some of the differences that I could tell that I was very happy with myself. Um, and it just, it grew and grew and grew and it pushed me to a point where I felt that I could be finally Jessica. Um, and that's, that's the best thing. Um, you probably could, you probably could relate to where, you know, when you started living as Frankie 
And it's it's the best feeling in the world where you can feel like yourself. And as you go through transition, and as I gone through transition, it's been a whole a whole lot easier. Has it been easy? No, but it's been a whole lot easier. Now, in talks about gender dysphoria, I know that I was talking to a few other people about this, where we don't realize how much gender dysphoria affects our day-to-day life because we could never pinpoint, you know, the source of anxiety and depression and frustration mm-hmm. in terms of our disinterest with things that we should like or things that we shouldn't like and how our actions are, you know, are just, they just vary depending on the mm-hmm. mood. But what was it like when you realized that you had gender dysphoria and that you could basically uh, not cure it, but cope with it more? Between 12 and 16, honestly, it was taking a shower, a shower every single day and playing with the soap. It's weird, but, you know, playing with the soap and pretending that I had breasts on and, you know, or on my chest and, you know, that's kind of how I started coping with it. But it was also cross-dressing at the same time. Um, And it was, you know, my hormones were going, you know, because testosterone is more potent. So my hormones were going all over the place. But I knew with cross-dressing, it made me feel better. It made me start coping. And um, every single time that I, I, I spot a thousand dollars worth of clothes ones and my mom came in, I had it in a duffel bag and my mom came in and threw it all away. Um, and my parent, like I said before, my parents never really accepted any of this, uh, for a very long time until I came out to my brother and, um, I was actually looking through pictures from my dad's old camera and, I could tell after I came out to my brother, I had a smile on my face. I was just able to to be happy because I was not able to take pictures either. I was always complacent of just saying, hey, I can't do this. I can't do this. And every single time I took a picture, I was ang- like, I looked like I was not happy. And now every single time that I actually take a picture now, I feel happy. I feel energetic. I feel like I can be myself. And that's the best feeling in the world because with everything that has stemmed from top to bottom, um, it's relief. It's relief. So it took me a while to really see what happened with things because I I remember, and this is a weird thing where, um, you know, Tumblr, where Tumblr was a huge, you know, influence for a lot of people that were blogging and um, blogging way back when, like 10 years ago. Um where I was, you know, exchanging clothes with people that were online. Um, and I actually exchanged with one one other girl um, with clothes and because they were giving it, giving, giving some of it away. So they sent, sent it to me. Um, and what happened was that this girl, three, four weeks later, um, actually attempted suicide and succeeded. Um, there was a big accident that happened, um, you know, and she didn't live in Florida, but she lived in Ohio and she walked in incoming traffic, um, uh, on the highway and, you know, was roadkill. Um, I have had a lot of different experiences where I needed to be myself. I needed to be myself. I needed to be myself. And that's how I coped with it was, was allowing myself any single time to be Jessica and it, it started eventually in 2015 where I was able to start streaming. That's when I started streaming. And then 2016 where I start, I came out um, and was able to tell a couple people. 
Um, I actually went out as Jessica for the first time um, with my friend in public. We went to a video game concert um, and it was more specifically like Final Fantasy where they were playing music and it was a, um, it was actually like uh, an orchestra concert and it was really, it was really a fun time. But I remember going in a dress and I was going in, you know, in flats and, and walking into there and I felt so awkward. I had people staring at me left and right where I felt like I couldn't be there. And I remember one of my friends too that I went with, we went into um into a Ross where um she stared down the person that is checking the, you know, the clothes to try them on in the dressing room. And I asked her specifically, I said, Hey, can I use the women's locker, like the changing room? And she she looked at me and said, No. And my friend stood like stared her down. I literally said, uh, didn't say a word and just stared at her constantly. And she said, fine, after that. And I went in and that was the first time I actually used the women's, um, the women's dressing room. And now it's totally different where I walk in there every day at work where I walk in the women's dressing room. Um, and then also like I walk in the women's bathroom. That's another issue that that comes up all the time with transition. It's like, you walk into the bathroom and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and it's so scary with the tra- transitional processes. But as, <clears throat> excuse me, as I c- come through my transitional process and as, you know, seeing a year, two years, three years, three and a half years, um, things have gotten, like I said before, a lot easier. But the way that I coped is having a good support system, which I have a great support system up here in Orlando. Um, I have the people that at work that care that stick up for me, even though they might not be friends or what, you know, whatever they stick up for me. Um, I also have my parents now or my mom, I should say, because my dad uh, um, actually passed away in 2019. Um, But also I have my brother and my sister-in-law. My brother calls me every single about every about biweekly. And, um, he checks up on me just to make sure I'm okay. Um, I see a therapist. I I do what I need to do so that I can take care of myself. Um, and that's how I'm Jessica. I wouldn't be standing here if if I thought that I wouldn't be in a in a better spot. Where you know this is a second opportunity for me. I I'm a person about inspiration. I'm a person about um different things where I can feel like I can go out and inspire other people. Um, and that's what a lot of the people on Twitch say that I'm inspiring where I can go and just say, Hey, I'm me. I'm happy to be me. And I show it. I show it every single day. And that's what I feel like with transition and being myself has really helped me strive to be a better person. I hope that makes sense and answers your question. Yeah, no, it certainly does. In terms of transitioning and trying to be yourself, it's definitely more inspirational than most people would think. Even I struggle with that sometimes where, you know, I'm constantly posting on social media, like trying to broadcast this podcast, um, but also showcase that you can be trans and have a successful life. You can be trans and have a good life. You don't have to be, you know, the headlines that people see in newspapers all the time. You know, as as sad as those headlines are, you know, that shouldn't have to be you. And so I think that representation is very important, especially in the industry that we work in and you know so many others. 
where just making connections, making friends, because, you know, heck, even I met you through a mutual friend and they also just got top surgery. You know, mm-hmm. they're also living their best life. And that's why I, I like I like Orlando in a sense where it's very like we all know each other in like three degrees of separations, essentially, and that we can all support each other the same way. Because after I had just gotten top surgery in July, I know like two other cast members right after me got top surgery. Now, thankfully, our employer were was able to cover these uh, gender affirming surgeries. Now, I don't know about your employer if their insurance covers anything. So luckily it does. Um, if it's mes- medically necessary, at least what I read online through, it might not be on the policy, but through the company in general, if it's medically necessary, yes, it's covered. Um, but the other cosmetic surgeries are not. Gotcha. Now, um, our mutual friend, they got their chest done at Celebration, mm-hmm. but apparently that surgeon does breast augmentation. So maybe that be something you might look into? Question mark. It, it's some. It's something that I've always been interested in doing. Um, but the thing is with that is that I am. When I woke up in the hospital, I had two IVs in my arm um, after um, after I attempted suicide, um, and I was in the hospital for ten days. Um, I had bowel movement problems and urinary problems and I couldn't really function by myself. And it took me, my body a very long time for me to, to recuperate. Um, but I, I, I'm always afraid of going in the hospital now because of having those two IVs in my arm and, um, you know, things like that. But I know when a bottom surgery happens, that's something that, that it will, I'll have to deal with. Um, but at the same time, um, I feel like I, said this at the beginning of my transition i said i want everything to be as natural as possible i don't want things to feel like that they're out of place um even with a breast augmentation i feel like i can be my authentic self but i've seen another trans women uh girl um have a breast augmentation and it was too big and i don't need it too big i just want something to feel comfortable with my body um because i feel with a lot of different people that they do feel comfortable in their own body. I mean, I, I finally starting to feel comfortable in my own body. Like, um, I have, you know, my picture, um, you know, set so that I, I can see my transition and, um, with, you know, with my stream, it's about my transition. It's about my transitional processes. It's about the mental struggles. It's about the uh, physical, uh, changes. It's about, um, you know, the emotional changes. This is about a lot of different things where where a trans woman actually goes through. So for me to get a broad augmentation, I don't want it to affect my mental health, where my mental health has been tremendously terrible. Um, so, and it had a lot of time to recover because I went into uh, mental rehab for three and a half weeks. So I, I feel like if I was to get a breast augmentation, it would have to be the right size. It would have to be the right doctor. It would have to be a lot of different things. But that doesn't mean that it's not out of the picture yet. Right, which is fair. And now that you're back on injections, hopefully the potent, uh, you know, estrogen will help with uh, breast growth, question mark? Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. You, 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 you can't really, like I said before, it, it depends on, you know, a lot of different factors. A lot of a uh, big thing is like with trans women, um, 
depends when you start because the development and the things that, you know, uh, that we go through, it's not always going to be necessarily, um, you know, full and round. The last thing I heard you said was how the effects of estrogen def- uh, differences depending on when you start. Yeah. Okay. So it depends on when you start, but it also depends on what your mother has. Um, if your mother has a certain size, you're probably going to get one size below that. So um, I'm not very happy with mine, but I'm hoping that, like I said, the injections will definitely help. Hopefully, because you never know in terms of, you know, getting hormone replacement therapy, what changes you'll have. Because I can look at my parents and I'm like, I still don't know what changes I would have, you know, years down the line. It's scary. Honestly, it's scary because, you know, the risks that you put your life in, you know, just so that you can actually be your true self. It's it's scary. This whole process is scary, even even to to this day. Yeah, I mean, now it's a lot easier for trans youth or anyone who's older to gain the resources and support versus, you know, something like five to 10 years ago, because I was also in that stage of Tumblr where I found out what gender identity was through Tumblr back in like, Mm -hmm. what, 2008 to like 2012. It's like the, the golden age of Tumblr. Yep. That was the golden age. Yep. And I came out in 2011 officially, uh, and I didn't even get on hormones until about five years after but that was because I was having issues getting on hormones through doctors because they didn't know how to treat me. They didn't know what to do. They, you know, they were ignorant. They didn't want to learn. And I kept getting sent between a primary care and an endocrinologist and vice versa. Mm. Uh, I think one endocrinologist thought I was actually transitioned to a trans woman. And I was like, no, I want testosterone, not estrogen. <laughs> That's a little weird. Yeah. But honestly, back, well, back then I was, I was pretty much passing to an extent mm-hmm. back then, but I also looked like a very young boy. I said, which I've seen pictures of. Yeah, I mean, I'll pull zone up eventually, but I, I looked really young back then, but I still presented pretty masculine. So I, I get why she was asking me that, but also like ignorance. It was not a fun. I'm sorry that that happened because I had the similar, I had the similar like experience where I came out at, like I said, 22. Uh, my parents said that they wanted to help. Um, and they helped. They found me, they found me a psycho, a psychiatrist and they found me a psychologist and they started, they started doing the, the, you know, the research and stuff like that. But my mom and dad really denied it every single time that I brought it up. I would bring it up every six months to say, Hey, like, can we talk about this? And my parents were like, Oh, no, I don't believe you. And I remember getting, I remember getting the National Geographic issue of, you know, gender um, that came out, I think in like 2013 or 2014. And I handed it to my parents and they read it and they, they said that, that I didn't fit the, fit the, the norm, even though my mom said at 16 years old and asked me that question if I wanted to be a girl. And she knew I was cross-dressing. She knew I was putting on makeup. She knew a lot of different things, but just she just didn't want to accept it, um, which is the, it's a crazy thing. Honestly, it's it's super frustrating when you don't have that support from your parents. And I felt with everything that was going on in my own life um, at that time, especially being in college and, you know, uh, when I came out and, you know, like officially came out to my parents, um, it was not an easy thing to accept. 
because we were talking about acceptance earlier, it was not an easy thing for me to accept if my parents were not going to accept it. Because I really went through my parents for a lot of different things because I was super dependent on them. So even though I was pushing and pushing and pushing for this opportunity, it didn't really come until I said, hey, I'm going to Planned Parenthood. I'm doing this myself. F you. See you later. Like, I'm, I'm so out of it. Um, and I was to the breaking point where um, I needed to do it for myself. And my mom comes in six months later and says, she looks at my, my, my estrogen and she says, she says to me, you're transitioning, aren't you? I said, yeah, I'm transitioning. And she goes, she goes to me, she, um, and she's like, why didn't you tell me we could have put our, your sperm in the bank? And I'm like, you never accepted this anyway. Why would you do that for me? So it's, it's, it's a little frustrating when a lot of the different things in my own life stand from saying, I knew I was a girl. 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 And now when I started transitioning at 26 and now I'm, I'm pretty much 30, it's, it took a long road for me to get to. It took me a long road to get through, but I'm here. I'm happy to be myself. I'm happy that I can, you know, live as an authentic woman. Um, and it's not, it's not as, I don't want to say it's as difficult now as it was then, but it's still pretty difficult. Oh, for sure. Like the terms of like personal difficulty, it's still there, but now there is definitely a lot more resources and a lot more representation. It can definitely change, I guess, in a faster sense for people to understand what trans people are mm-hmm. versus like way back when, where we had like literally no representation. Now, this is a picture of me back in, like, middle school, high school. Wow. So, again, I was presenting pretty masculine back then, so hence, I guess why the doctor was like, oh, so you want estrogen? I was like, no, I want the other one. Yeah, I, I can see that, honestly, now. Um, if I showed you pictures of mine, you could see that I've, I'm totally masculine. Um, I dressed up masculine, but there was little scenarios, too, where I was growing up where I felt that, you know... I was looking at dress shops when I was walking by or bridal shops or, you know, lingerie or things like that, where I was just like, I need this, you know, I need this rather than just wearing, you know, the Hollister and the Abercrombie and Fitch that my mom bought me and trying to be preppy. Yeah, I'm serious. She bought me Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister and uh, American Eagle and all this stuff. And I was very preppy when I was I, I, I was in high school. And I was in college. I was very preppy. You had um, tall collared shirts and everything. I did. I did. Um, and I showed a picture of myself in 2009 where I was on the, I was the captain of the swim team. I literally, you could see my, like my, my six pack on my abs. And that was, that was, that was crazy. That was back in 2009, uh, in 2008, 2009. So I, pr- I presented hugely masculine, but I had those female tendencies and the feminine te- tendencies where I felt that I needed this. I needed to be a girl. I needed to feel like myself. I needed a lot of different things that my parents couldn't do for me. And that's what took so long. That took so long. It was doing, I knew what the effects were. I knew what the research was. I knew at 18, I knew it and I wanted to do it so bad. But it got to the point of where I was 26, eight years later, where where I said, I need, I, I'm doing this now. And I did it. You know, and that's, it, it takes a lot for just that push to 
have you transitioned for yourself? Mm-hmm. Like I, I came out back in 2011, but I didn't really start medically transitioning until like 2016 when I realized that I was going to lose my health insurance. Yikes. So, cause my parents are, mil- my dad was military and I was in college at the time, but we didn't go by the college, like, um, like r- rules or whatever, where like at 26, you still have your insurance with your parents. But with military insurance, that wasn't the case. It stopped at 23. So I was able to get on hormones like right after I turned 23, right before like my insurance ended. And that's when I started with it. And I've been on hormones ever since. But that push was because I was going to lose my health insurance. And, you know, I didn't know how else to get on hormones because the Planned Parenthood where I lived weren't doing that just yet. So I couldn't really get on hormones any other way without shelling out a bunch of money. Yeah, which is which is which is unfortunate, honestly. Luckily, I had the for that that fortunate, you know, part of that. My parents were paying for my insurance anyway. I was working a part time job in 2016, but I was working 40 hours a week, and um, we were just waiting for me to be full time, and then I could get off my parents' insurance. But it was a point where I felt that at that time, I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. And there was a point also where I was with the, with in the, in the uh, learning center where the girls were like, why are you wearing skinny jeans all the time? There's something going on. Like they could start seeing changes at, at six months. And that's scary when, when a middle school girl is starting to make fun of you because of the changes that, that your body's going through. It's like, I have to go through a second puberty, which you went through. It is not easy. It is not easy. And it's not easy um, as a woman to get harassed all the time for that. It's not. Especially when we have such, you know, a binary way of looking at what men and women should look like. And especially when trans women in general are like always, the, you know, the butt of a joke, which is obviously terrible and, and it's also trans it's also trans people of color too honestly they get they get more harassed than anybody else oh yeah like um i hate i hate the meme that it's a trap because the connotation of the meme of it's a trap you know means that trans people are a trap so it's and very it, disheartening to see that all over in various sort of like meme formats i've i've had Plenty of people come to up to me and um, ask me about like my transition. And actually, there was a guy that asked me about what does trap mean. And I had to explain to him what the, what what it meant. And he really understood what what happened with that. And it's scary to say that that um, that I could be a trap. And I'm not a trap. I'm not a trap. I had a relationship with a guy. Um, he used me for for sex. Um, so I got sexually abused and he, um, he said that I was a trap and it's not fun. No, it's not. That's why like me personally, I still have like a hard time figuring out the dating scene in general. Like, yeah, we live in a very blue area, but it's still very scary to be like, well, you know, I don't want to put that I'm not trans on dating app because I don't want to like lead people on and I don't want them to think Mm -hmm. of the trap. But also when you do put that you're trans on your profile on dating app, it makes, you know, the chances for matches a lot slimmer than normal. It does. I've had online relationships where people thought that that this was not going to work out. 
and um, things like that. But, you know, putting it on an app is scary because I don't think and I feel like, honestly, like, you know, we have that mutual friend where they actually are with a loving wife, like soon to be wife and all this, all this stuff. And it's it's great. I feel like a, a lot of trans men have it a little bit easier, honestly. It, it, and it's it goes back to what I was saying before um, with that and about being stealth. But uh, and you could put your feedback in this, too. But um, my feedback is that if I go in there and I am as a woman and I go in there into a relationship and I don't disclose that to them in the first or second date, what's going to happen? You can be harassed and, you know, in the worst ways. Not just harass, but they could just break up and say, I'm not interested anymore. Yeah, that and too. I feel like a lot of things, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect a guy to date a girl that has, has bottoms like that. Yeah. And, and the risk that you take for outing yourself on the dating apps, it, it sucked because you risk yourself by outing yourself every single time, but also people know what you look like now. And, you know, that would greatly like, great you you would have a greater chance of being found out via social media and apps since you know you've, you put your gender identity or your pronouns or any mm-hmm. sort of title within those realms yeah i i on like my twitter feed i have it says lgbtq plus or lgbtq and transgender advocate and i basically say she and her um and then i basically have my hormone date on there um, when I started my my pills and my shots. Um, but you know, a lot of people, if they ever came across it, um, they would they would say, Hey, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a part of, you know, your life because you're a trans woman. I, I feel like um, you know, with transition, it's not I, I feel like it's it's so it's so different. It's so different. I wish I wish that and I say this all the all the time. And you probably do too. I wish I was just cis. And I know that's not the case. We're here for a reason. But there's times where I, I think to myself, I wish I was cis because then I could I could have those relationships and not worry about it. Right. And I could, you know, potentially have a partner and not have to worry about a cis guy coming in and, you know, swooping my partner off their feet. Like I've seen so many stories of, you know, transmasculine people having partners and they're always you know, a lot of times get cheated on with a cis guy. Like you feel like you're never manly enough, but in your case, you feel like you're never womanly enough and you're never enough of one or the other, which again, the transphobia is very rampant, but I I do wish that I was cis a lot of the times, you know, then I wouldn't have to, you know, have to be on shots for the rest of my life, have to pay, you know, X amount of money for surgeries or I, I wouldn't like all that money that I, you know, spent on transitioning. I could spend it on so many other things. You could buy it on a nice car. You can go on a nice vacation. You could do I, so many other things. I could visit every single Disney park in the world and then have more money left over. Like it's ridiculous at how much hormones are and surgeries and, you know, clothes and, you know, trying to move yourself to a safer place to just be mm-hmm. out and open about. Yeah. As a, a one, a one month, ber- uh, um, I say it's about a, let's say about a one month. It's about one to three months worth of shots. It's um, it was $45 on insurance. And that's a lot of money. 
I mean, um, it's 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 not it's not feasible when you we when we work at these theme park jobs. It's not feasible. Like I was telling you earlier, when I got on the auto injector shot, this is one shot. Now I have technically three months um, supply, which is eight because I take my shot every like ten days. So eight shots equal without insurance twelve hundred dollars. That's a hundred and fifty dollars a shot. Thanks. So like without insurance, you know, this would not be feasible. Now, luckily with insurance, I'm able to afford these. But if I didn't have insurance, it would have been game over. It's ridiculous at how much hormones can cost, how much surgeries can cost. Because I think the average for top surgery for transmasculine people, it's about six to fourteen thousand dollars, and and that's not including hospital fees, you know, post op care you know, being out of work for so long and all that other stuff. Um, I believe if you think about it um, with um, with trans women, I believe it's way more than that. Um, I, I've heard it between uh, twenty five to fifty thousand dollars without insurance. It de- and it depends on the surgeon, you know, um, which is scary. It's scary that we have to waste that much time, that much effort for us to fix our bodies to make it work the way that we know know that we need to. And I feel like I, you know, I can't just keep putting money, 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 money into it, you know, and that's where, you know, I actually stopped for a little bit because I felt like I couldn't afford it. I couldn't push through some of the struggles that I was getting through so that I could, you know, be on those uh, on those pills again. Luckily, the last month I've been on my pills back, and so I didn't lose that much um, progress. But the good thing is that I I'm going to be able to make up some of that progress with with the injections. Hopefully, that's good. I'm I'm hoping for you that the injections will give you a lot more results that you're wishing. For. Well, even though with the anxiety that I have, it's going to be really tough. See, what I do is like I used to... Now, where is your injection site? My injection, it has to be in... So it has to be in the in the glute or in the butt or actually in the thigh. Okay. I've tried the thigh before and for some reason I always get sore, but for like for days on end. Yeah. Now with the butt, yep. it was a little bit easier where it's like, sure, it, it sucks that I have to twist and turn and do it. But like once it's there, I don't feel anything. It's like fine. Yeah. And that's, that's what, that's what, um, you know, I used to do is it is in the, in the, um, in the thigh, but I felt sore. I did it at night. So it took about two days for the soreness to go away, but I used to do it every two weeks. Now I'm going to be doing it every week and that's going to be a little harder, honestly. But the, the way that my, my prescribers did it was because I'm squeamish too. So I told them that I needed a smaller needle so I don't have to like, and it's going to take me longer to do it. Um, and, but the person that like um, my prescriber also said that if you can't do it, tell me, and then we'll go back on, uh, we'll go back on it. We'll go back on, um, um, you know, the tablets. And luckily I have enough for, for a co- like a month or two. So it's, it's, a, it's a good feeling that I could just, you know, call them and say, I'm not, you know, I can't do this. And that that's reassurance right there. That's but, great. Yeah, it's a huge feeling. Um, but I'm hoping that this time it works better. Now, <laughs> now with your injections, are you using instrumentular shots? Yeah. Okay. 
have is I don't I don't know about this, but it, it's an option for trans masculine people. Can you do sub Q injections? No, I haven't. I haven't. I believe so. Actually, I believe so. Now, I only say that because I found sub Q injections tend to be a lot easier because it, it just goes on your stomach, and because there's not a lot of muscles there, we're just mostly fat. Um, it it doesn't leave the, your your injection site to be sore versus your side versus your thigh. I, I but I also think with the way that I was doing things, I was sitting down constantly uh, and not moving around. Um, so like uh, when I was starting to take it, so I was sitting down and not moving a lot. But now with being in a theme park job, I think the soreness will go away, and I can always ice it and heat it and ice it and heat it. But we're gonna, I'm gonna test it for a month and see what happens. And if I if I don't like it, then I don't like it, and I can always switch back. Which is which is great. Yeah, it's it's a relief, honestly. But uh, and then I, I've also thought about patches too. But there, there's a huge risk with that with skin skin rashes, and I don't want that happening. Nope, I'm good. Right, that's what I'm like. I'm like I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And plus, with with the with the job that I have, I'm outside, as you know. And if I'm outside and I'm I am like um what do you call it? I am you know sweating. The patch could come off. And that's what I don't want. I don't want that where where I can, you know, have it fall off. And then people are like, oh, you're smoking. I'm like, I'm not a smoker. You're like, no, I'm good. Uh, this is this is for other reasons. Right. Yeah, it's, it's interesting and crazy. The difference, you know, MTF and FTM transitions. It's it's interesting, though. It's interesting because you don't like I have an idea of what you go through, but I bet you don't have an idea like. You probably have an understanding, but you don't have like that whole knowledge. You know what I'm saying? No, because not it's at like, all. It's because it's like I, you don't know the struggles that I go through, and I don't know the struggles yet you go through. But the thing, the thing um, is that we're both transgender people. We both can support each other. We both can help us uh, help each other out through our struggles. But the crazy thing is that you know you have no idea. I have I have an idea of yours because I have a talk, but it's it's totally different and totally interesting. And if if you're thinking about and you're listening and you're thinking about transitioning um, and you are uh, identify as a female and you were assigned uh, male at birth and you are female and thinking about transitioning, make sure you do your research because a lot of different things that stem off of it. You need to have so many things right for you so that you can transition. I know I had a heart condition where my doc, like my doctor was scared of even putting me on estrogen because uh, of that. But also my mom has blood clots. So blood clots runs in the family. So you have to watch out for st- stuff like that. And it's scary. Oh, for sure. It, I ended up having high hemoglobin while being on testosterone. And I would have to go to... A blood bank every couple months and you know you know give them some blood uh, until we realized that how often i take my dosage and how much my dosage was was the biggest factor now before i used to take it every week because i started off with every two weeks and then i was able to like half the dosage and try to do it like every week and we found out that was causing my hemoglobin to get higher and so we decided on a sweet spot which is like every 10 days and now because of that it gives the testosterone just enough time to taper off and, you know, be okay whenever I have to redo my injection. Which, 
uh, you probably feel the effects of it too, where, you know, you feel like that rush and adrenaline and then it dies out, right? Actually, no. So the same way people like experience this cramp and stuff while under a period, like I, I never did. So even though I do my injections like every 10 days, I don't feel the rush of adrenaline that a lot of other people I know get. Uh-huh. I don't know what it is with my body. Uh, I I couldn't tell you why, but I don't. I just, I have to put a reminder on my calendar when I have to do my shot because I, I don't feel the day that I need to do it, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, you know, when people, when, like how you said, like the rush of adrenaline and it tapers off, a lot of yeah. people will feel like tired or something or, you know, feel less or feel more drowsy. I don't feel that when it came to testosterone. So I have to put a count uh, and reminder in my phone to remind me when to take my shot because I'm not going to like, I don't have an internal clock to click it in my mind to be like, oh, I have to take my shot this day or I, I have to take it in a couple of days type of thing. Yeah, because we, you probably have to, well, because it, it's every 10 days. For right. me, I can take it, I, could, I have to take it every seven days. So it could be more of a consistent basis where I know at, you know, Monday night at nine o'clock, I have to take my, my shot. It's it's totally different. It's totally different. But when I was on shots for every two weeks, I would feel it and I would be like, whoa, like I am super emotional. And then it was just like, oh, it tapered off really bad. And then I'm like, I'm tired. And I'm like, whoop, here we go again. Kind of like a sugar only... rush. Yeah. And it's a, it's a huge weird side effect that comes with with being on estrogen. But at the same time, I, I, the reason why I went back on shots and injections was because I take nine pills in the morning and eight pills in the seven to eight pills in the evening. And it's, I, I don't want to kill my liver, honestly. Yeah, I can see why testosterone is not in a pill form because that would definitely kill your liver. Yeah. It's very potent hormones. Hormones are strong. No, yeah, they're very strong, especially when you're trying to take enough to make it your dominant. And it's, it's, it's not easy. No. Now, when it came to working at theme parks, how much safer did you feel, you know, being out at theme park? Now, I felt like I had been safe, you know, for the last, you know, off and on five years that I've been with a company at my theme park. Now, you know, I know your experience is a, a little bit different because you came out, you know, j- just a little bit ago. But in your perspective, how has your employer Work with, you know, your pronouns, your name tag, your costumes and things like that. So, okay. So when I applied, I put my, you know, how you have to put your legal name and stuff like that. My legal name has not changed yet. Um, it, it's in the process of doing it. I, I have all the paperwork signed. It's uploading it and filing it now and having the money and having all this stuff that, that I need to do and or signing up for the waiver. Um but when I applied, I put my preferred name as Jessica. So when I, I remember the first time, like the day I walked in the interview, they called me by my, de- my dead name. And I said, I go by Jessica. Ever since that point, it's been Jessica. Like no joke, it's been Jessica. Um, and um, when I got hired, the, the place that I, I work at does not let me take home my clothes that I need um, because they're special. So I am not allowed to take it home. So I have to change in, in the locker room. So what happened was when I, when I was getting hired, I said, I, was, I, got cho- cho- I got to choose between four different places. And I really wanted to do the place that I was at now um, out of those four choices. So 
Uh, and imagine this is only a year and a half, year and a half into transition, like roughly a year and a half into transition. So I didn't really look, I still was like not looking feminine, but I wasn't looking masculine. I was kind of androgynous in, in a way. Um, and I said, am I allowed to use the women's you know, locker room? Because if I was not allowed to use the women's locker room, then how was I going to be able to do this venue in this place? So what happened was after that, they could, the, the, the super, this was a supervisor. The supervisor went to a part of her supervisors to went to her supervisors and said, yes. And it's been Jessica ever since. Everything has been put as Jessica. My name tags were given to me as Jessica. Unfortunately, my badge that I get into work does not have that because it has to be legal. But every single thing that they do, it's Jessica, unless it has to be specifically by my legal name, except like on the on legal documents. So um, there's been times where, you know, uh, my my like my leads have said, um, you know, have called me or wrote my name um, by my dead name. Um, and I told them right away and they apologized and they never did it again. I love that for you. That sounds great. Now, because I don't know very many people working at the other theme park, it's so heartwarming to hear the changes that they made, you know, just to be done right away. It was done right away, but it was done seamlessly, um, which is a hard thing. Like, it wasn't like a hard thing to do because of, you know, it was one mistake at the beginning and then it was like... It changed right away. Um, but I also had an instance where I was coming into work where I, I told them that my preferred name was Jessica instead of my dead name because um, they were thinking aspire what our badge was. And I said, I go by Jessica. And they just completely ignored it for days on end. And I was just frustrated. So I go in with headphones on because I don't want to deal with that anymore. So that's the way I cope. Like we were talking about earlier when it comes to work, that's how I cope. But all my coworkers treat me as Jessica. All the girls in the locker room treat me as Jessica. They treat me as a woman. They treat me as a girl. They they don't harass me. Um, they they talk to me like every other girl. Um, I've never gotten a bad look in in the women's locker room, and it's just a huge sigh of relief where, um, you know, the team the team has my back. I remember getting taken a picture of myself two or three months into working and they called me a a trainee um, in Portuguese uh, and taking a picture without my permission. And I was allowed to go run after them. I've had plenty of people that I have cried to about, you know, the harassment I get at work. But I feel like there's a lot of people that that respect me. in in that case, people that that call me, sir, and him, and he are the people that are ignorant. But I've had people that are from my my hometown in Naples where they have come and they came up, they have met me, they have seen me, they've seen me be happy. And uh, they had an instance where there was a girl, um, it was one of my best friends in high school's friend, treat me as a girl. There was, a, there was when I was a swim captain, this girl was a swim captain, another swim captain, where she treated me like a girl. So my working experience at at my job has just been treated as a girl, and, and no one has treated me like like a boy. 
I love that for you. And it, yeah, it sucks when people would just speak another language and call you a tranny, unfortunately. It's sad. It's ignorant I, people. It is. Um, I remember during, during five years ago when I first came to Orlando at work, I have been outed through Yik Yak. So I came stealth for the most part because I wasn't sure how like Orlando was going to be and never had friends down here yet. And I was on the college program and I was outed through Yik Yak. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was not a fun time to be outed through Yik Yak. So I had to like re-out myself again through social media because I didn't want those people to take that consent and power away from me. So I'm out on my own terms, but because it's my own terms, I feel it's okay. Which is a good thing, honestly. Um, and like for me, it took it took time for me to to get to that point. I don't think, honestly, I don't think I would have gotten to the point of being able to stand up for myself if it wasn't for the mental rehab center that I went to after my attempted suicide. Um, so with everything that has gone on in my life, it's just it's a sigh of relief. And I bet you feel like that too. Oh yeah, for sure. And the fact that you were able to get help at that rehab center, you know, speaks a lot when you can get help correctly. Because there are so many cases where trans people would be treated very wrongly in medical and hospitals uh, clinics. Well, remember Um, what happened when, um, you know, our last president was in office. They took a lot of our rights away. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they took a lot of our rights away. And I, I, I had a panic attack when the election was coming up this past year because I was like, if he gets reelected, if you know, then what's going to happen to me? Because a lot of the inspiration that I got from, um, you know, just to be able to start transition was, was because of that president back in 2016 and just being able to be myself and to be comfortable around it. And then everything happened. And a big thing was that I was actually about to go in the military so that I could have that that HRT that I needed. Yeah. I mean, politics aside, is very scary because when I was younger, I wanted to join the military. My dad was in the military. So I was like, you know, felt like the right thing to do type of thing. You know, oldest child joined the military. But because I realized and found out that I was trans, I could not. And then, you know, what our last president you know, that was not a thing. And now, like, our current president definitely overturned that, but it's still, you know, a very difficult thing to join, regardless, especially if you are trans. And now I've basically gone past my want to join the military. I'm kind of, I'm pretty much happier down here in Orlando. But if younger me could have that chance, you know, in this day and age, I would probably do it, to be honest. And that's what I was thinking of at 18 was to do it. Honestly, that's what I thought at 18 because I couldn't be, I, I, I felt like I could get a degree that I wanted to get in, you know, get a degree. I could, I could transition to being Jessica. I could do all these different things. I just, I couldn't do it. I, I never had the strength and the courage to do it until I was at a breaking point. Right. And it's, it sucks because for every trans person that's out there, there's no like certain point that you realize that you need to transition. Everybody has their moments where they could choose to transition or choose to be miserable. And no matter what age you are, it you can't you can't tell. Like there's no guide to here's how to transition and be perfectly happy with your life. Everybody has 
a very different transition. You have a I very mean, different transition than I do. Right. And it, 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 uh, transgender is a huge umbrella, huge umbrella term. You know, it could be, you know, transgender male. It could be transgender female. It could be two spirit. It could be, you know, um, so many other things that, that are there. Um, a cross dresser for once, you know, as one. Um, but it it really stems from a lot of different things. But most people that that seem like they need to be them their authentic self, like us, we had to mentally, uh, mentally, physically, and emotionally transition to what we knew what was best. Right. Like uh, I had a friend who's you know, non-binary and they're transmasculine. They just got top surgery, but they don't ever want to be on hormones, which is, you know, perfectly fine. I definitely got top surgery and is on hormones. Now, bottom surgery, that's something I'm still thinking about, but it's not so much as a need like top surgery was. So, I mean, everyone has their own way of coping their gender dysphoria. The fact that we're able to have the gender euphoria that we have now working at the theme parks, honestly, been life-changing i never wanted to work in a, a land that's filled with princesses more than i do now because i'm able to wear the blue costume and you know flawlick around with pixie dust and high knee socks but you have fun with your job oh yeah I, I loved every second of it i tried on so many costumes all over property and it's, it's so interesting to see what gives you the most gender euphoria Right. And that's what I felt like with the last outfit that I wore when I went to a different venue just to help out was that I was like, oh, look, I I was so happy that I didn't want to take off the uniform. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that euphoria It's it's you're so happy that you can finally be able to have something that you can feel good about yourself with. And that's and, so hard to find. Oh, yeah, it really is. And that people don't understand that. Yes, clothes are clothes. And yes. You know, boys can wear dresses and girls can wear pants type of thing. But like personally, for any trans person, just having article of clothing that makes you feel the most happiest is such euphoric feelings that it it just is so good. Like, like, sure, I'm wearing high knee socks and like uh, really short pants. And, you know, I, I look like a peasant from a castle. But the fact that it's, you know, colored blue. You know, it makes me feel very euphoric. I can't tell you why, but it, it really does. It's like wearing, like for me, it's like wearing that dress. Like I I totally feel that, you know, that euphoria. Um, and it comes down to just allowing yourself to feel like you're on top of the world. And that's the best feeling in the world when you're able to just say, hey, I look good. I feel good. Like, you know how... Uh, uh, you look in a mirror and you see that you, you know, you're, you're dysphoric. But when you look in the mirror and you say, hey, I look good, it smashes a lot of different things that, that just came up. Yeah, no, it, it smashes the gender dysphoria. It, it smashes the body dysphoria. It smashes the binary because, you know, maybe you're, you look totally different than what people think you should look or vice versa. But Having the the opportunity and chance to look at yourself, you know, feel very comfortable and very happy. It's such, it's such an amazing feeling. Like when I put on a shirt the first time or a button up shirt after getting top surgery, it was such, such a good feeling that like, you know, I get this chance every day now to be able to do 
that and have that kind of feeling. Like I haven't worn a shirt since I had top surgery, actually. And to wear it now feels completely different from when I used to wear it, you know, wearing a binder, having another layer in between the skin and a shirt. And I don't have to deal with that anymore. And such such a great feeling. It's a relief. It's a relief. I wish I could feel that feeling. Soon I will. Someday Soon you will. I, will. I honestly, with with the employer that we both have, I, I feel like you should be. Oh, it's going to happen. I, I, I have a, a, a wonderful doctor that is doing, because I have thyroid problems too. He's helping me with everything, you know, with my thyroid and, you know, with my estrogen and all that stuff. So he's my primary care physician, but he does everything, which is, which is absolutely awesome. And um, but he also, what? Say, and it's also hard to find just like a doctor who would like to help you like that. Yeah. It's super, it's super, super difficult. Honestly, you're not going to be able to find a lot of people that are going to be like that. And it's, it's uh, at home. When I was, I, when I was sending a, a seeing an endocrinologist, he said he didn't feel like what you were saying before, where he didn't feel comfortable of, of, um, you know, helping you out with the stuff that you were going or like with me going through, or I should say with what you were going through, he wouldn't, he wasn't comfortable with me in the same way, the same instance. So I feel your pain with that. Like, I wish that I was able to, you know, feel like I could, you know, rule the world and do what I needed to do with, with. That because I felt that I could, you know, get the help that I need. But then it was, it's like, oh, now you're rejected because I can't help you. It's just like, it's like a gut feeling. It's like, I just got stabbed in the gut. Right. But now you have this wonderful doctor who supports you all the way, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, um, you know, I have a great, I got, I have a great LGBT psychiatrist. Um, my, my psychologist is not really LGBT, but she accepts me and she helps me with my tra- traumatic experience. She's just, she's a traumatic type, or she's a specialty in traumatic and depression, anxiety. So she helps me with all that stuff and helps me cope with it. Um, and I've had her actually since my, um, my time at the rehab center. Um, because she's she's really the first therapist that I've actually been able to open up to and talk about these things and not feel like I am cuckoo brained. Because even though when I was at Naples, I was at an LGBT um, psychologist and therapist and helped with trans issues, but it wasn't the necessary help that I needed. And now that she's seen you thrive, you know, between the rehab center and now, so you know, you definitely made amazing progress especially with everything you, you just told me and not such just a- transition stuff though not just transition but she's helped me with you know my passing of my dad she's helped me with the with the car accident that i was just in and that was a mental struggle um you know she's helped me with with the covid stuff last year you know of being isolated because um you know work gives me a place where i can actually talk to people because i strive off of talking to people I'm I'm a people person. I feel like I get the most benefit when I am interacting with people. Um, so I feel with everything that has happened and stemmed in my life, everything happens for a reason. And luckily, everything has been happening for a good reason. Oh, I 100% believe that. Like, I, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have the support that I have now. But I also wouldn't be here if I didn't struggle myself to push 
for my personal transition. And now with the power of social media, you know, I've been, I've been out there more so than most people have, but I've been using my, you know, my social media as for exposure for representation for others. Right. Which is, which is hard, which is hard because what stems from me and I can relate to that a lot is because of um, when I was, I was a person that people could rely on me and come to me about their problems and stuff like that. But the crappy thing with all that was that it pushed pushed me to a mental state that I will never return to. And I don't want to ever return to because I don't want to ever be able to put my body and my mind and my life in jeopardy anymore. And that's the scary thing when it comes to everything is because you're putting your life in jeopardy. Right. But, you know... For for both of us working at theme parks and with completely different transitions and different perspectives and stories, I feel like at least with this episode, somebody somebody will get something out of it, whether it's from you or from me or from both of us. There have been so many trans youth coming out in the last six years that I've been down here in Orlando off and on that it's insane to see, you know, so many people wanting to be their true self, starting to be their true self only because they find out that there are people like them, that there are people that can live a life successfully, you know, can go travel, can go, you know, work at these industries, especially in the theme parks and be able to, to have fun and live life. Like you have your hobby streaming. I have, I don't know what hobbies I have now besides eating food and doing this podcast, <laughs> but it, you know, it's, it's still something like I'm still very active on social media where I do say, you know, I do celebrate the trans stuff. Like uh, today, actually, at the recording of the podcast, it has been seven months since I've gotten top surgery. And that it's already been seven months that I've already made this life decision and procedure. Which is probably a huge sigh of relief. Oh, 100%. And the fact that this coming May will be my fifth year on hormones. Like, I was like, hello, five years has passed already? It's, it's crazy. Yeah, and that's what I was saying about on um, Valentine's Day because it was it was three and a half years of being on HRT. It was like, wow, time flies. Time flies. It really but the does. One piece of a, and but like if you're listening to this, and the one the one piece of advice that I have is that if you are getting to a point where you feel that you're struggling, reach out to somebody, please. Your life is too pre- is too precious to try to take your own life. And then also make sure that you have that support system, because if you have somebody there that can you can talk to and listen, then it's going to be a whole lot easier. Don't ever put your shoes in the shoes that I was in. Please, please. Scary. You can reach out to either one of us. Like our social medias will be in the description below. Like transitioning is life changing, but only if you're able to make that choice to be true to yourself. And no matter how you transition, that doesn't matter. It's just a matter of fact that you are transitioning to be your most authentic self. It's what's going to help you live a better life. It's not even that though, too. It's it's more of, how can I put this? It's being acceptant of yourself, I think is the best way to put it. Because if you're not acceptant of yourself, of being who you are, I think that's going to be the hardest thing to, to overcome. The longer that you put that off, the harder it's going to be. Which Yeah, which is true. I See, I couldn't put that into words because I had came out at, I guess, such a not super young age, but we're an age where 
I had already been presented masculine for so long that it wasn't something that I had to, that I had too much trouble accepting, if mm-hmm. that does make sense. But in general, transitioning has definitely saved my life in more ways than one. So it has, it has, it's changed my life tremendously. And I'm happiest I can ever be so far. And I'm hoping that later down the road, it's, it's even better. You can only go honestly. up from here. That's all you can really say that it's going to go up from here. And it's going to keep taking off and off and off and off and off. Now, to wrap up the podcast, um, what's your favorite caffeinated beverage? Oh, my God. You got to be kidding me. I don't drink caffeinated beverages. Oh, really? You don't? I do not, actually. Um, okay. What's your favorite because, drink, I guess? What? Favorite what's, drink? Yeah. You really want to know what my favorite drink is? Yeah. Water. But no flavoring? Just water? Just water. I just yeah. drink plain water. Yeah, I'm the um, worst. There's, there's some times that I have like a soda here and there, but, um, you know, it really just depends on what, like what I'm craving for, honestly, but I will not ever really drink soda religiously. I used to drink soda growing up and my parents took it out and I stopped drinking it. And it's been literally, it's kept me healthy tremendously. And I'm, I, I that's all I could ever ask for is to, for myself to be happy. And I feel like with my transition and stuff like that, if I start drinking soda and stuff like that, I'm going to start gaining weight. I don't want to gain weight. I want to make sure that I'm healthy as I can be. And so I could live a long, happy life. Fair enough. I'm the worst. I drink a bunch of coffee, but specifically iced coffee. <laughs> but but I, I, at least coffee has has caffeine, but it has some good um, properties in, in it that, that is actually good for you. Yeah, versus soda. So I, I like I don't drink soda religiously. Like I'll drink soda when I go out, like a fast food restaurant or something. But more often than mm-hmm. not, I'll drink like like Sprite, like clear soda. Yeah, I can only drink clear soda because of um my thyroid. So mm. that was one of the things I had to avoid was clear so like um soda in general. So I usually have a Sprite here and there, or you know, once in a blue moon I'll have a Coke. But it, it, it's not like. I, I drink soda religiously or I drink soda in general. I It's like once in a while. Right. Fair enough. Well, I think time to wrap up this podcast. I thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Maybe I'll have you in a future episode. We'll figure out some other topics to talk about. Yeah. I mean, that was probably lengthy as hell. I mean, my, my other podcasts lately have been pretty lengthy, but you know, it is what it is. I'm not doing this for money or anything. It's just to get people's stories. Yeah, no, I understand. Well, thank you for having me at least. Yeah, you're welcome. And for everyone listening, I really hope you do learn something from this episode because it was very insightful for both me and Jessica. And I hope you all have a good day. Hey, everyone. Thank you for sticking around. This marks my last episode for my first season of the podcast. And if you have made it this far... Thank you for all the support. I know things have been a little shaky recently only because I just started going back into work. So trying to get back to the groove of things. Now my next season will be predominantly with couples, but I will still have a few individuals, you know, depending on who I talk to and when I record and whatnot. Now the first episode of my new season will be featuring MJ and Eli. And we will be talking about basically radicalization and, you know, religion trauma and growing up in like a conservative household, which they both are very familiar with. So 
hopefully you will enjoy that episode and you know the rest of the content that i will be making later on thank you all very much and have a good day discovering voices